I always saw every job that I had as a paid internship. An emotional adult cares about others, at least equally than themselves, if not more. Being worried about what the friend group is gonna do. Sure. Oh, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna say I'm not smoking pot today. Yes, be the one. You know, I would have never learned that if I didn't ask them questions. Husbands and wives and, and um, parents should get a doctorate that they're in relationship with. I want to write this down. When, 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 when I am putting this together, that is incredible. Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, we have a returning guest, Dr. Andrea Hazim, the founder and president of Elevate Life Educational Foundation, who makes the TLT Movement possible. So, Dr. Andrea... We've, we've had you on the show a couple times, but this time is special because it is our 10-year anniversary as a nonprofit. So yes. I, I want to know, why do you feel the passion for now a decade to serve tomorrow's little haters today wow. and, and educate them? A decade. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds crazy. And, you know, I think it's what I wish I had when I was a young person. And that's confirmed over and over. Whenever I see young people just ask a certain question, which recently there's been a question that's been coming up and I know we're going to talk about it on the, okay. on the episode. But um, yeah, you know, mentorship is such an important aspect of life for those who are the wise ones that will go seek out a mentor. Mm. But, you know, you kind of have to have it in your awareness. That's, that's even a good idea. Sure. And I did not know that that was such a thing, that you could go up and ask somebody who you admire, who you see them in the future, you being them in the future, and saying, hey, can I learn from you? And that's a big part of what we do at TLT. Not all of it, but you know, I think that was one of the main things. Yeah, I think that's huge. I know in my journey, having mentors has been instrumental to get me where I'm at now, just mindset-wise, spiritually, yeah. financially, everything. And I feel like maybe if someone's listening to this that's young that's never had a mentor before. I and think there's is... so many realms in life. Like I look back at uh, one of the colleges I went to was the Art Institute for film and television and editing. And our teachers were all in the field and they would get us gigs. So I would find myself on music video sets or theater productions or movies or, um, and then I was also a double major for photography when I transferred to UM. And my photography head of the department was the chief editor of the Miami Herald for the photography. And I would always interview those leaders that I would see on the film sets. I would go up to them as a production assistant and sure. say, hey, how did you get here? How did you know this was what you want to do? What was the degree you needed? Is it who you know? Like, I would pick their brains. And they sure. were cool with it. I never got someone like, kid, get away from me. Yeah. They were, they were interested that I was interested. Because who doesn't want to talk about themselves? Sure. So, <laughs> and I always saw every th job that I had as a paid internship. Even though I wasn't officially their intern, in my mind, I'm getting paid to learn here. So what can I learn? And that's really me. I was seeking mentorship, you know. But so that's like in a career aspect. But, you know, to me, and now going to be 55 and married 25 years, I see probably the most important mentorship somebody can find is one who will lead them down the path of emotional maturity and spiritual maturity. Because mm. those two go hand in hand, and those are the undergirdings of everything we do. Whether it's financial success, career success, being a good parent, being a good spouse, 
it all stems from being emotionally and spiritually mature. It's that root cause. Yeah, that's all of it, really. So if you can find somebody who you see handles their marriage well, handles stress well, um, knows their source, you know, right. our Father in Heaven, and um, isn't looking to all the wrong places to fix things or fill something, then go learn from them. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's a little bit of a cliche at this point. You are the combination of the top five people that you hang out with. Exactly. And that will happen whether you're mindful of it or not. And so to be mindful and purposeful in who you're surrounding yourself with and who gets to be in your space and why is so huge. Yeah. And even if you have great parents, um, I I love your parents. I went to chiropractic school with uh, Danny's dad, Mark, and have known him since the womb, right? Yes. <laughs> um, even if you come from a great home, great parents, they're not divorced, none of this trauma, it doesn't matter. Right. Because people, I don't know why, seem to receive better from a neutral mentor that's not mom and dad telling them what they should do and what they should think. And parents thank me all the time because they're like, oh my gosh, thank God they, they heard what you said or one of your mentors Right. That are maybe a little closer to their age. And I've been saying that for years. And why is that? I don't know why that is. It's just a thing. So I tell my kids, go talk to our the neighbor's dad, Eric, that they respect. Or come on. you know. And I push them to go talk to other mentors. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you can say it to them 10,000 times. But it just takes one time of right. somebody saying it in a slightly different way. Exactly. In the right time that just clicks. And then they understand. Yes. That's it's, human nature. Yeah. I don't know why, but uh, rebellion. <laughs> yeah. From what I've learned in my life, I was really a one of the biggest change, complete pivot change of direction in my life was before this amazing twenty five year marriage. And I don't know if I've ever shared this um, in this format. Was I was married for a year and a half, and that marriage was uh, emotionally and physically abusive. It was a very scary, dark time of my life. And how did I get into that? Complete one hundred percent rebellion. Everybody, pretty much everybody told me, don't do it. Mm. Why did I go ahead and not listen to all the people that I knew that loved me, all the people that I knew that had great wisdom advice. My brother even flew to Atlanta. I was in chiropractic school to beg me. I took the ring off, the engagement ring off. I was like, you're right. Like it made all, it clicked. It was the right. mentor voice. Right. I put the ring on the bedside table. He flew home, mm, trickled back. Because it was really a root of rebellion. Like, don't tell me what to do. I want what I want. And that is one of the levels of emotional maturity that I love to teach the young people. Emotional immaturity looks like, don't tell me what to do. That's a teenager, emotional teenager. How do we ascend from that? Don't tell me what to do. What's that next level look like? The emotional adult. Wow. Well, first of all, you have to have this epiphany of awareness that you're there. Mm. You know, because people don't know that they're there. Like, they don't know what they don't know, right? We can know what we know. We know our name. We can know what we don't know. Like, I don't know how to fly a plane like my youngest son. Um, But I don't really know what I don't know. I'd like to believe I know it all. Absolutely. I'd love to believe that, right? (laughs) Yeah. But so really taking stock. And unfortunately, it usually takes a breakdown of some sort. Mm. Financial, maybe a bankruptcy, maybe you lose your business, and then you're like, oh, maybe I should get some financial wisdom, (laughs) take a course. I don't know. Manage my money better. Or uh, maybe your marriage is like really on its last leg. My husband and I love to serve. There's a a local ministry called Live the Life, and we've in the past um, 
done their marriage weekend, which Hope Weekend, I highly recommend to anybody watching. It's an incredible transformational weekend. And we've had couples that were that next Monday, because it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're signing divorce papers, but we'll give it that last ditch effort. Wow. And they didn't get divorced. Because literally one of the girls just texted me the other day. She came to our church and visited and she was so grateful because of that mentorship, the tools, and really the bottom line is what I first said was coming to terms where you go, oh, I am part of the problem. Oh, I do have these issues that I'm immature in these areas. Mm. And that's the hardest one is swallowing the pride, having the humility, taking the time to look inside because it does take time. You have to kind of stop, go be quiet. Humble yourself. Humble, pray, journal, and go, ooh. And then, you know, so realizing it's the first step. Getting a tool and working the tool is another step. And that's what uh, adult maturity looks like is to work that tool, to do what you know needs to be done. And, of course. Yeah? Because an emotional adult cares about others at least equally than themselves, if not more. Mm. When I was in chiropractic school, they had these quotes all over the walls. And I remember like holding my books and turning the corner. And there was this one quote that has changed my life. And it said, you never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. Wow. You ne right. You never know. So thoughts like hatred, unforgiveness, judgment, bitterness. Assuming the worst. Right. Assuming the worst, the spirit of offense. That you right. take everything kind of a little offended. Like, I can't believe I said that. And it may not even come out of your mouth. You may just think it, that stinking thinking. And unfortunately, right? or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, if you think it, you're, you're casting out that, for lack of a better term, energy. And people pick up on it without you having to say oh, anything. Sure. And you can even say out loud, oh, I'm not thinking that way. Yes. But people know. But how about your own body, your cells, your organs? You know, I'm a chiropractor and a nutritionist. Mm. We've been helping people with holistic wellness for many, many, many years. My own mother died of a brain tumor. She hated my father. Like when I say hate, I mean like venomous, deep-seated. She would look at him and like see hate and the thoughts. And it went through every cell of her body. And even before she died, she said, oh, I know I have this brain tumor. And in the end, three months before she died, she asked him to forgive her. Wow. It was a it was a miracle. That's a whole nother story. But an emotional adult, back to your question, will take stock in how does what I think, say, and do affect you. Most of the world, especially the non-believer world, I would say non-faith-based person who cares about the repercussions for themselves and faith and eternity and God, um, that just live like, oh, whatever, like today's a you know, is the most important thing. They are thinking about themselves. And I call that selfie nation. Selfie nation. You see that everywhere. We live in selfie, selfie nation. Selfie nation. What does selfie nation mean? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but this is what I'm doing. Too bad for you. But what? isn't that a good thing? I mean, at least maybe the culture will tell us that to self-help, self-care, that well, you're the one that matters the most in your world. What is wrong with that mentality? Nothing as far as self-care is very important. What do they tell you on the plane? Put the mask on yourself first. You can help others. And that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm really talking of a mentality that um, like this self-preservation, really, I guess it's kind of rooted in fear in a way. 
Mm. And fear is not healthy. It's not life-giving. It's not a place where you can ever really relax. You're always in this defense, self-preservation. What's in it for me? What do I get? I got to get up on you. I have to win an argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm number one in my mind, and in, and it better be in everybody else too, because I'm just going to climb over you to get to where. Kind of like climbing the corporate ladder mentality more sure. than self care. Self care is very important. I actually had to learn that somewhat the hard way because my husband, very disciplined. You know, I was a young mom. I'm at home with three kids, raising them. We had a big wellness center. Sometimes he would work till seven thirty, and I'd have dinner like thinking he's going to walk in at seven thirty five because we we uh, had the office was very close. And he, it would happen. Oh, a patient came in last minute. There was an emergency. I'm not going to be home. Or he'd come in and the first thing he would want to do is work out because that was his self-care. And I would resent it. Sure. I would be like, well, can't you just not work out now? Because this is what's important. And this is what I have going on here. And I've been waiting, you know. And it took me years to realize how important that really was. For him. Yeah, because he'd been pouring out all day, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. That was his recharge to be ready to be with the family. Right. And I'm trying to like circumvent that. So it was a little selfish actually. And I realized that I didn't value myself the same way. How does somebody discern when they're at a fork in the road between choosing self-care, which is good, or choosing themselves without having anybody else that they love or say that they love or care about in mind, how do you discern which is which in that scenario? Well, remember I said spiritual maturity and emotional maturity, they go hand in hand. That's why they go hand in hand. Because spiritual maturity, you would have a level of discernment. Like it's a different kind of knowing. And that's the one that's going to bring you in alignment with God and what he has for you in the moment, long term, why he made you, your purpose on life, and what you're doing there in the moment, right? So I would rely a lot on that and kind of... On that gut feeling. Yes, of absolutely. Even like, say, a little, what I would call mick prayer, quick prayer, like God, show me, you know, show me. And trust that, because <laughs> like, it's quick, you know, like, that's probably a bad term. <laughs> Maybe I should do away with that term. I don't really say that that often. It's very funny. But it is funny. Yeah. Um, just a quick, you know, turning your heart to God. And, and the, the scripture says, you know, pray without ceasing. That's my way of praying without ceasing. That I'm going to involve him even in this moment of like, what do I do? You know, so the quick prayer and say, okay, God, you got to show me. And just trusting that what that feeling is, that peace that's going to guide you to know, you know, what should it look like or could it look like? It's different in every scenario. Sure. I mean, maybe we could talk about an example, but um, does that answer? Yeah, it does. I, I think it's also pretty important to have your foundational rules that you have for yourself that you live by. We personally live by the word of God, the Bible. And that helps kind of guide us so that we know that maybe this feeling is just a feeling and it's not actually the discernment mm. because those two things can, it's a thin line between the two. Fickle feelings. Fickle feelings. And you can make a pretty big, drastic, life-changing mistake based off of a fickle feeling thinking that it is in your own benefit for self-care or that it is discernment from God when... 100%. Yeah. And so finding that foundational, making your yeses your yeses and your noes your noes, what is that foundational base? Right. So that you won't cross that line. I think a it's lot huge. of um, 
domestic violence and road rage, things like that, are based on those initial reaction feelings. Sure. Instead of relying on a response, a gentle response, a spiritually mature response, that quick reaction, you know, cut somebody off, flip them off, you know, hit a child out of anger instead of like a true heart to disciple them and, and train them in the way they should go. Those are not um, in the category, you know, that we want to see people be in. So they Absolutely. growing mature maturity and spirituality and um, emotional intelligence, EQ, EQ is so critical. And then everything kind of comes out from that. Any business, any relationship, yes. decisions. Right. And that emotional maturity helps you to prefer others. So I was saying before, um, you know, you, you can realize, first of all, you realize what I think, say, or do will affect you. Number two, I care. Mm. Uh, and no one's just go, oh, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I might consider course correcting. Yourself. Right. Like, do I really need to do this? What if it affects this person negatively, even if it's like too bad for you? Like, I would go, you know what? There's another choice that right. maybe won't affect you. And it's a win-win. And sometimes maybe you can't think of that choice on your own. So you have to seek counsel. counsel. And you better make sure that that counsel is good. And that's what Absolutely. TLT tries to yes. provide. So we've kind of gone over some different levels of emotional maturity that maybe some of our audience is at right now. And this is not an age thing. This can no, be, not at this all. transcends age. You can be a parent with the emotional maturity of a teenager and, and the teenager has the emotional maturity of an adult and that can be a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm having a flashback to my teenage years. <laughs> yeah. And not to be critical of my mom sure, in sure. any way. And cause I think a lot of times that growth comes when we gain tools and we're not ignorant, you know? Yeah. I, I have to say, um, early in my marriage and being a mom, I was ignorant to um, some very basic tools for communication and understanding others to accept them and appreciate them. One being the personality types. I had really no clue. And it was so groundbreaking. I look back and I wish my mom and I had gone to like a fun seminar and learned that. And we would have made room for each other because we would have said, oh, look, God made you like this and you like that. And we're supposed to be like crayons in the Crayola box that we make a masterpiece together. Not, you know, you're red, you stay over there. You're blue, you stay over there. And like, how far are you going to get doing that? Right. And so that's why it's so important to not always be mindlessly mentored by maybe your parents or somebody that might not be on the same maturity level. Ideally, you're being mentored by somebody that's a higher maturity so they can kind of bring you up. Sure, where you want to be. Right. And so I know that you mentor a lot of the TLT. They come in and out of the home. We have built a really awesome community here in South Florida. What are some of the common problems that young adults are coming to you with? Elevate Life is putting on the explicit event this February 10th here from a wide range of speakers on love, marriage, college, and career. The explicit show that was once just a part of our TLT conference is now its own main event. Again, this February 10th at Pompano Beach Home 2 Hotel. Click the link in the description or scan the QR code.
your generation and younger, you know, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many voices out there, social media, um, things changing in the world, different um, political thoughts that they're thinking through. And so I think one of them is um, the topic of substance. What do you mean by substance? Well, pot in particular um, comes up a lot because it's legal in some states and practically legal everywhere. I mean, I walk on every street in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Uh, I smell it everywhere. I go, it might as well be. I mean, is it legal here? Because I thought it wasn't. I live. But anyway, I lived in Denver and it's more flagrant. The usage out in public is way more crazy here than it is even over there. It's like normal. It's like as if it's legal. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I think young people just think nothing wrong with it. Sure. Almost to the point where it's like supplement. I've definitely fallen into that category oh, in my God. life. <laughs> uh, so that's... But I've now awakened. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, not the case. You know, and so just had this conversation this week two or three times. Mm. And they want to know. Is it sin? Is it this? Is it that? How do I, well, you know, how often? But, and I'm not going to just give everybody the answer. Sure. Because, it, you know, my answer is not going to change their life. Yeah. But as a mentor and giving them advice for what I think for myself, I tell them, talk to them about, number one, serving leadership. You know, how is what you're doing affecting the world around you? Are you smoking with people that maybe they're struggling and they're using it for self-medicating because they're in emotional pain and maybe they should be going to God for healing um, because that's causing a brother to stumble. That's sure. not considering others. And you, same thing with alcohol, right? Like I have no problem with my husband. We go to dinner, we drink a glass of wine. Sure. I would never do that. And this advice, of course, is being given to people over the age of 21. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Well, I mean, but some teenagers, you know. Some teenagers do. We would recommend that no teenagers are smoking and drinking not at all, all I mean, this stuff. Listen, it, your developing brain is not good. Oh now, now, when you're over 21, this becomes, you're an adult, you're out on your own. It's a little bit more prevalent. I think that point that you just made is so huge. How are you, even if it for yourself, you've maybe got the pot thing under control. You maybe are using it as a supplement for certain things in your life for a season. But if you're broadcasting that out, maybe you're, smoking with other people that are using it as a crutch, are using it and it's not serving them. And unless you guys talk about it or... It's a subject that has to be talked about. 100%. And in no way, I don't want anybody who's listening to think that I'm advocating it and I'm happy that it's legal. I'm actually really not. Um, You know, a a medical card is a different scenario. I mean, my mom had cancer. Sure. And um, she did not want to try... you know, the medical versions because she couldn't eat and all that. Um, But what I watched was many, many years of prescription medications melting many organs of her body because of the side effects. And I think that she could have benefited, but as a believer, she was not willing to try that. So medically, you know, that's one category. Yeah. We're not talking about that category. We're talking about young people who are using it they, you know, mostly for recreation. But what I see is some of these kids are really using it to self-medicate. Sure. Emotional pain, um, loneliness, you name it. I will say my personal testimony with it. I mean, I was, I had a med card 
and I was using it for my stutter and for my anxiety and for my depression and for all these things. And I was going to therapy. And so then even medically, you're saying. Yeah, well, it. I was. It's easy to get a med card. Oh. Very very easy. Okay. You. It's not some. It's not. You're not tested. You just go and go. Oh, I have back pain. Or oh, I'm depressed. And they well, go. Maybe we have to rethink. Well, <laughs> okay. So that. so well, it's not so much because I I do think what you said is valid and true, as far as there's usage for it. And I think for a season there was for me too, but it overtook and it became something slowly. And I was lying to my own self. I kept saying, oh, it's because of my anxiety. It's because of my depression. It's because of my speech. It helps me, blah, 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 blah. But I was definitely using it because I was not in a good place and I was relying on it. I needed that's it. That's the thing. That is Before that's God, yeah. before anything that's, else, yes. I needed it right. to function. Exactly. And I think that's where it becomes a serious issue mm-hmm. for a lot of young adults. And it ha- happens slowly. So yes. slowly, you don't recognize it in your own mind. And so even if you are recreationally using it with someone and you want to have this convo and talk, they'll t- most of the time, I'm going to guess, they're going to tell you, oh, no, I'm not using it as a crutch. No, me, God and I, we're good. We, yes. it, It's fine. Right. God hasn't told me not to. Right. But <laughs> you ever hear that story where uh, a guy drowns and he gets to heaven and he tells God, I thought you were going to save me. And God's like, I sent I you sent, so many people. Right, I sent right. you the cop who said, get out now while they're, you know, you could still drive away. I sent you the boat. I sent you a helicopter. Right. Uh, I sent you three people. Yeah. So I actually literally told that to that one of these people um, that I spoke to this week. And I said, you can consider you're being told it right now through me. Wow. Because God, it, it's so, that's such a good point that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, I think, they miss it. And they think, well, if God wanted me to not do this, he would tell, tell me. me. Oh, I was like he, that he with would, my first marriage. He would open this, the, 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 the clouds up and yes. go, Danny, don't smoke weed anymore. And oh, I go, yes. okay, God. No, he speaks through, he works through people. I think that's kind of like really testing God and mocking. I used to say this, I'll never marry the, God will never let me marry the wrong one. I'll break my leg on the way up the aisle. Yeah. He'll never let me get to the front and say, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Ooh. And I said that because he saved me from two engagements that were not his will. They were mine. And he was sure. like, hello. And he showed them very clearly. So I thought, well, he's going to do that again. And he did through my brother, through this, through that. And I was like, no. Nope. Right. Anyway, you know, we all have very strong wills. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we could take away from Jesus's example. I mean, he knew he was going to the cross. He's sweating blood, asking God to change his mind. And in, but at the end of the prayer, he said, "But not my will, yours." I've been stressed out of my life. I've never sweated blood. That's that's a I whole nother blood. level yeah. of of begging God. Please don't. So, <laughs> mm, do I have to do this? But not my will, yours. Yeah. And knowing that the backup will come legions of ministering angels, the Holy Spirit's, um, I was listening to something from the voice of the martyrs. Have you ever heard a voice of the martyrs? No. Incredible. It's a magazine that comes in the mail. If you subscribe and they tell you stories of people persecuted around the world wow. and this, Oh my gosh, this one guy was being tortured and they had his arms like this and they were taking cigarettes and burning. So, his, so they had their arms out in front of mm-hmm. them and they his were just burning. His yes. Arms. And the guy across the table was burning his arms and he said he didn't feel it. What he saw was Jesus standing behind the guy. 
Wow. Like, I'm with you. And he goes, he didn't even feel it. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. So, you know, in the moment, and I think that we just don't get to that level of like really stepping out in faith, standing up, being worried about what the friend group is going to do. Sure. Oh, I'm going to be the one that's going to say I'm not smoking pot today. Yes. Be the one. And watch who follows you. I So, different topic, same example. Lately, uh, the topic of cursing has kind of come up as far as cuss words. And there'll be times where we'll be all in a group and we're laughing, having a good time, letting it fly. And somebody will curse. And then like a minute afterward, they'll refrain. And they'll they'll start to say curse. And they go, oh, and then they'll like not say it and correct themselves. And then this happened this week. So someone goes, you just said the, you just said it. So now you're too good to say He's like, yeah, I, I don't want to. Because I, I didn't want to say it the first yeah, time. And I don't gonna... want to. And that encouraged me. It encouraged two other guys to be like, you know what? Exactly. Let's let's clean up our act. Exactly. When you lead by example, you invite other people into that space. And we, we talk about this in TLT all the time. When, yes. when you're vulnerable, when you're honest, when you're real, when you're happy and smiling, when you're bold, when you're courageous, you invite everybody else in the room yes, it's to be that. Right. When you are talking negatively, gossiping, cursing, using substances, doing these negative things, and you're hanging out, you're inviting everybody else into that space too. Yes. And, and people, you'll be unfortunately labeled, even subconsciously, oh, that's the guy that, that curses and smokes pot. I don't want to be the guy well, that's known for this. Self-respect. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I I'm always fascinated by not just men, but you know, women too, who will curse, 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 and then when they're around me because they know I don't curse, they won't curse. So I was like, there's like a little switch in your brain that knows when to do it, when to not do it. When you're around kids, right? You like, don't do it. It's like you're capable. You like situationally you, appropriate. Right. Right. So if you can do that, then you can monitor just really phasing it out. You know. When I was, I guess, a teenager, 15, 16, I read a book called Fit for Life, mm -hmm. and it rocked my world, and I learned about whole food nutrition and the topic of natural hygiene. If you've never heard of natural hygiene, look it up. It's incredible about really maintaining your health with uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables and food combining principles. What a concept. <laughs> and, um, and it rocked my world, and I decided then that I would not be mastered by any food item. I would not be a coffee drinker. This is tea, by the way. And I'm not I'm not even mastered by any, even that. Like, yeah. I don't, oh, I can't function till I have my coffee. And not making fun of anybody who's like that, I... Don't talk to until I've had my sympathize. coffee. I sympathize. Like, I, I pray you can get out from under, you know, sure. being bound to an item like that. Nicotine, caffeine. Anything anything yeah. like we are not called to be mastered and one of the things that i love to teach is body soul spirit you know you live in a body it's not who you are it's your vehicle it's your car you get one i hope you take care of it better than you take care of your car yeah. you would never put a piece of tape over the oil light but what do we, we do that to our body right <laughs> yeah body the posture what goes in what comes out what goes in the mind what comes out all of that the information diet exactly yeah which affects the soul. The right. soul is the one that takes in that information diet. That's our, you know, that kind of that senses, the sensuality, the lust, the appetite, 
the creativity, all that. Your eyes are the portal. What you exactly. see, what you hear. And ears. And sense, all the senses. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's important. There was this doctor. I was listening to a podcast. Her name is Dr. So. She's so cool. She uh, was talking about this study that was done on a large group of people. And what they did was they had them come in and they were talking to the guy. They handed half of them a warm cup of tea and half of them a cold cup of tea chatting very casual they had them read a short story they took away the story and then they said okay what are the characteristics of the main character 80 percent of the people that drank the hot tea went they're warm and compassionate 80 percent like the exact percentage in the majority of the people that drink the cold drink went they're cold they they're they're cold and shut off same story. How interesting. Very interesting. It's it's the power of suggestion, even in minute, tiny little ways, like the temperature of your drink. And I believe wow. that whenever you're absorbing information through a podcast, through your feeds on Instagram, on YouTube shorts, and you're allowing that algorithm to feed you an information, and it influences your mind, influences your opinion, and you'll later think, possibly weeks or months after, that you had your own thought about that, mm. that it was your own concept when in reality it was actually this influencer right. that said something about a relationship, said something about a woman or a man or a celebrity, and now your view on that person is different. All this sure. stuff happens all the time. I recognize it for me all the time, and it happens the same way with the people that you hang out with. Their opinions will become yours, and you'll think that they are your own opinions. That's right. And so you want to definitely hang out with people that you want to be like, that you want to think like. And, you know, not only the people you hang out with, but the things you allow in. Precisely, yeah. Right? If yeah, you yeah. eat the junk food, if you, um, if you take the substance. Right. And this is an influence, just as much as people, just right. as much as think, stinking thinking, because you are not in the same state. Right. You are not. Let's say you're crispy clear and you have these boundaries and you're with a guy, you're on a date, you're crispy clear. I mean, I, I, w I wouldn't be on a date with a guy. We're talking from a few Not you, not you. You're on a date. Yeah, 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 on a date. <laughs> and, um, you know, you would normally have these boundaries. Like, I'm not uh, going to do X, Y, Z. I care yeah. about purity or whatever. And you take some influence, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pot, whatever it may be. And now you are no longer in the same state. Come on. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to realize you are not going to be crispy clear on your boundaries anymore. Right. So things happen that you never intended to happen. How did it happen? I could tell you how it happened. You allowed a portal for you to be taken to another place. And in that other place, you do things you wouldn't do when you're your normal self. Those are just a couple examples, the self-medicating. You know, should we be self-medicating with some sort of substance like that? And I told uh, the person, like, I think God wants to be our source, and he wants to heal those areas of our life. He wants us to, you know, just find the healthy way to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Forgive, you know, move on, be creative. If you can only be creative because you smoke pot, or you drink a couple glasses of wine, then that, I don't know, I'm not going to say that's fake creativity, but it's enhanced and not the true one enhanced. 
Right. And that's, that's a great example. It could be used for so many different things, but what emotions come after that? I think it's blame. I think it's shame. I think it's the guilt. It's these negative feelings. Something that clicked for me this week was when you say that you're going to do something and then you do that thing, you know what happens after that? Your confidence goes through the roof right. in yourself. I in yourself. In myself. Because you didn't throw yourself under the bus, lie yes. to yourself and... Or, or do something that you said that you weren't going to do. For me, lately, I don't know what's been going on. I've just been staying up too late. You know, and, and I keep telling myself, I'm getting to bed by 10. And then I, if somebody comes over to the house, we, we, have, a co- we have a community center too. So there's, there's people always over. Something good is on the t- TV. Everybody's having a great time. And I'm like, well, what's one more hour? <laughs> what, FOMO? Yeah. yeah You're missing 100%. Out? I'm like, what's one more hour? And then the next thing I know, it's 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh boy. Like, yeah, I was trying to get up. At, I was trying to get day. up at six tomorrow. I'm, now I'm going to have to sleep in. And, like, and when I do, when I go to bed, the time that I say, and then I wake up, at the time that I say that I'm going to, it boosts my self-esteem, my confidence so much. Oh my gosh. And I feel What do you great. think boosts more? The fact that you did what you said or the fact or that you did it and you got up and you did whatever you were supposed to do at that time? I think it's doing what I said I was going to do. That's the main part. Now that you could trust yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you, ha- if you draw a line in the sand, Hey, look, I'm re- going to remain pure. Hey, look, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. And then you actually set yourself up for success and do that thing and miss out and don't let the FOMO take over. Right. You, you're not really missing out. You're re- you're building yourself up and people will and see others. it. And I know yes. you love to do that, Danny. So, you know, that's the other aspect of being a serving leader. That if you know that you staying up till one is going to cause your roommate to stay up till one or friends are allowed to come over and stay up in the living room till one and the right. roommates have to go to bed, that's not a a level of caring how what you think, say, or do is affecting the lives of others. Totally. You know, that's a, another example. And you, know, you were asking what kind of topics. So substance is obviously one, but relationships is another. And that's, they kind of go hand in hand, right? You know, sure. people want to talk about how do you know who, who the one, how did you get in the wrong one? How do you get out of the wrong one? <laughs> how do you manage the right one? And of course, I would interview, like I said, I would interview people on, on movie sets. I would interview couples that, all that the time. That you want to be like. All the that time. That you look at them and you go, I like yes. that marriage, yeah. Yes, I, and I was a massage therapist. So I had the coolest couple. Every Friday, they would start their weekend with a massage. I would massage the husband. Then he would put on his fluffy robe, go in the kitchen, start dinner, gourmet dinner. And I would massage the wife and she would put on her fluffy robe and then they would have this beautiful dinner by candlelight. It like they made their own spot. Um, goals. Every Friday. And I would pick their brain. I'm like, you guys seem really cool. They would go once a year um, near my school was in Marietta, Georgia and about an hour North in the mountains was a monastery where you could rent a room. Oh. And it was the most serene atmosphere because they were monks that didn't talk. So you could get a room <laughs> cool. for like $5. So it was just literally a bed and a desk and a little shower. So they would go there. He would drop her off. She would do three days fasting and then he'd go pick her up. She'd take the car and he, and that's how they did every year. And in that three days of fasting, they would journal about their dreams and goals for the year and their thoughts about last year. I'm like, dang, it was amazing. That's so cool. I mean, and then every week they would have a check-in meeting, like a CEO meeting, not a date night because date nights should be just fun and romance and friendship. But it was more like a meeting like you would have with your CEO or your top level leaders. Like, 
you know, I would have never learned that if I didn't ask them questions. Okay, I there is rare moments when when we're shooting podcasts where I'm like, I gotta write that down. Write, <laughs> I, I, I want to write this down. When, 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 when I am putting this together, that is incredible. I wish I was still in touch with them. Oh my gosh, but that's I learned so, cool. so much from them, and you know, young people want to want to know. They want to because I think the ones that do believe in marriage still, which that's a thing that many people don't believe in marriage mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, I'm amazed I did coming from a divorced home. My dad was married four times. My mom was married twice. You start to think, eh. Yeah, what's what's the point? It's just this contract, and there's no benefit to me, especially as men. Yes. I hear that all on social media. Our friends, we all strive to have wives, but That's social media talks about all the time. Yeah, oh, there's father, no benefit yeah, for a man. Right. And I could totally buy into that if I didn't have the right mentors and influences sure. in my life with what I went through as far yeah. as marriage. I could totally be like, ah, I'm never making that mistake again. Yes. No way. Exactly. Yeah. So those who who do have eyes to see that it is a beautiful thing made by God, have children, make a legacy, make a beautiful family, which is the image of God, that's um, a beautiful thing, but not easily achieved. And if the habits that are being formed in those teen years and early 20s are not you know, put into place or massaged into maturity... Uh, it doesn't really look too good. Don't you tell people that ask you for advice on this, you say you, you have to practice now? Of course. C- can you kind of expound yes. upon that? And well, my own children, their whole lives, I told <laughs> I said, one day you're going to have a wife. She's a roommate of sorts. Sure. You know, now, you know, you're a roommate with my two sons who we help buy a house and you all are roommates practicing. And you and I have had this conversation you know, just because someone's not your personality type, they're a roommate or whatever. What if one day your child is like, which is what happened to me. Sure. Your child is so different than you. So you're practicing now. You know, I, I teach my children like the common area outside your bedroom is common area. You keep that nice. You consider the roommates in your home. Who are your roommates? Your siblings, your parents. And in our house, we have so much traffic because we see patients from home you know, clients, uh, we have a church out of here, different things. So I don't want people that are coming and going, tripping over the shoes by the front door right. or the toilet being horrible. So we've, they've grown up knowing that our home, um, that we're roommates and one day you're going to have a roommate. She's your wife, or you may have actual roommates <laughs> leading up to that. So absolutely. Every relationship is practice, especially leading up to that most beautiful one, which could be your spouse. And, you know, you want to be prepared and preferring others is the key to a good marriage. Huge, preferring others. I know we're going to do an episode with my husband and I, and we're going to talk a lot about that. We're so excited because we're going to be launching a podcast and it's all about relationships. If you like this past five minutes of this show, (laughs) we're going to have them both on at the same time. We're going to dive all into exclusively that. And then we're going to even start a podcast with a, with you yes, too, yes. every single, every other week, yeah. be talking about or this more, stuff. Who knows? Or more. But, I mean, we have so much to talk about just even from our own lives growing up. I mean, I could do an episode on pretty much every year of my life. Sure. You know, there's so much content to talk about. And on this side, being 55 and gaining the tools and growing emotionally and spiritually, I feel like there's a lot of wisdom to offer when it comes to younger generations or anybody, really. You know, I love to support any of my girlfriends or um, 
you know, we, we help marriages all the time. And even those getting married do a lot of premarital counseling. Yes, which I'm so shocked because I went through premarital and I loved it so much. I thought it was wow. genius. When I tell people that, and my sister just went through it too with her new husband, Gabriel. And when they tell people, they go, what is premarital counseling? I've never even heard of that. Yeah. It's so huge it to is. to work through that with somebody that you respect and trust and and be able to ask those hard questions because you, you want to get that stuff out of the way before you commit your life of to them. Of course. Yeah. When your sister was planning her wedding, I was alongside with her a lot of it doing some wedding coordinating and we went to a wedding expo. I'd never been to one. And the whole ballroom was all vendors. So there was like the caterers, like three or four of them with all their samples, beautiful, how they would set a table, the photographers, you know, photo booth, everything you could think of that you would need for a wedding, flowers. And then there was an officiant, a lady who does the ceremonies. So I went up and I talked to her and, you know, I think she charged like whatever, $500. She was just a justice of the peace. There was zero counseling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Zero. Well, that's a typical honorarium when somebody does a ceremony that that's 500. Yeah, about that's wild. So, um, but nothing. And I'm looking around that room. I was like, this is an amazing niche. There could be one like planning a wedding. Want to stay married? (laughs) (laughs) Are you thinking about that? Because that's just as important as all the flowers and this and that more important. Wow. So if a listener is maybe wanting some extra money and looking for a niche, <laughs> that would maybe be a good one. That's kind of cool, actually. I like that idea. Right? If you're charging $500 just to go say I do, oh, imagine gosh. imagine like the value that you would bring doing something yeah. like that. That'd be amazing. And it was funny because I was picking her brain. And I was like, oh, well, how come you don't do any counts? She was, it was almost like she didn't want to be responsible. Oh. To give them good or bad advice because it's like, have, uh, like a soul tie in a way, you know, yeah. which, you know, my husband takes it very seriously when he counsels somebody. He's not just going to let them, you know, go for it, you know, goodbye. Like right. he stays connected in their life and um, it's a beautiful relationship. Absolutely. Not that it has to be, but hey, on, on his end, on our end, we love that. You, you, he takes responsibility and yes. goes, all right, let's make sure this marriage will last. And that's the heart of a mentor, you know. <laughs> yeah. How beautiful when the person who's mentored you into how how to have and maintain a beautiful marriage, knowing when you're ready, is this the one, and what do you do after, that that person can stay there as support, you know? Absolutely, and if your future husband or wife is unwilling to do premarital and doesn't want to have any um, sort of... Red flag. It's a little bit of a red flag. Not a little. <laughs> it's a big one. Oh, boy. Well, all right. Well, g- Let's end the show on a, on a good note. <laughs> I felt like that was a little... Get little, some tools. Yeah, get some tools, everybody. <laughs> Grow <Get> up. Some... <laughs> Highly recommend the book by our friend, Dr. John Stalwart. Grow up. We're going to put in the link in the description Great below, book. along with drandreahazim.com. If you want to hire her for a speaking engagement, she's one of the best speakers in South Florida. Thank Honestly, you. teaches value-based content that sinks in, that's experiential. Dr. Andrea, do you have any other shout outs or anything that our audience should know? I think one of my favorite things that I've been doing lately a lot more is something I call Relationship University. <laughs> I like that. And that really came from when I was at Life University for chiropractic school. I would love the name of the school and I would think about it because I'm not a great student and these big fat scienceology books, I only got through school because of my study buddies. Sure. And even if we were at the diner till 2, 3 a.m. and you were studying microbiology and I was studying biochem, it didn't matter because we were together. 
and we're supporting each other and we would test each other and whatever. So I always say life university is, um, is just that husbands and wives and, and um, parents should get a doctorate in the people that they're in relationship with and you should never kill your classmates. Mm. And we want to do that by judging them, by making them wrong, not realizing that. Assuming the worst. Assuming the worst. So it's always so rewarding to me when I can help a couple, I can help a family, you know, get some tools, bridge that gap, have that mentorship to support them um, in the comfort of their own home or in my home office. And uh, so, yeah, that's something that I'm really, really passionate about doing. Awesome. And again, all that will be at drandreazim.com. Check it out in the link below. Thank you so much for tuning in to the TLT Movement Podcast. If you liked what you heard, maybe it will bring somebody else in your life value too. So please share with a friend, subscribe to our YouTube, and comment. Let us know what you think. Our podcast is available on Spotify and Apple, and we would very much appreciate a five-star review. Visit our site, tltmovement.com.